Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt. Danny, um, that noise? Huh? Is that is that a ringing I hear? I don't hear anything because I'm not a Stephen King protagonist <laughs> being subjected <laughs> to, being subjected to some of the most horrible psychological abuse outside of the basement. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a shame, because then you won't be able to truly enjoy the black phone. Bum, 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 that's bum. what we were talking about. I was talking about being locked in a closet where I'm recording right oh. now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the black phone. Danny, you and I saw it. We did. We have not talked Does about it, it yet. We no, not at our, all. saved our first impressions for you listeners. And for us while we record it. But mostly for you listeners out there. Yeah. You're just there as the, the hostage negotiators. <laughs> um, so you and I saw this movie within the last uh, weekend, right? Because it came out last Friday. Yeah. Uh, on the 24th? 24th. 24th. Um, I saw it that night. Um, I tried to avoid trailers uh, for the most part outside of the first one that I saw that got me hooked onto the concept of the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, seeing the movie relatively unspoiled was really nice. Um, God, was it a vibe? Like the vibe was the first thing immediately that I got from it. Yeah. What about it, you? Like, because it sets the tone so well with immediately jumping you into the seventies, so you know. Like, what the, what's the vibe, especially since we're following child protagonists um, right. and how children lived a very different life in 1978 than they do in 2022? God, oh, um, my God. Danny, so I, I saw this movie with uh, my brother, Sean, uh, mm-hmm. who will be on the show sometime, and we got to talking about it uh, afterwards, but, like, children that went missing in the 70s just were never found. No. Like, there were so many disappearable happening in the 70s uh so many people that were abducting and murdering children that police investigations were just like the kids ran away or they just didn't even know where to fucking start so like Mm -hmm. this movie being set in the 70s and being this level of terrifying because all these kids are going missing left and right in the the same town Right, and the seventies is that perfect balance of like relatability with the characters mm-hmm. and a world where that frighteningly possible. Well, yeah, and like this was still in the early era of like milk carton kids, so it's kind of a shock that they all got missing kids posters. I actually think this predates the milk carton shit. Honestly, I think that that milk carton stuff came out because of shit like this, like in real life. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think uh, the missing kid posters just really adds to the it aesthetic. Because um, mm-hmm. did you catch who uh, wrote the source material for this movie? Well, I actually did. It's um, oh, what's his name? Joe something. It's the son Joe of Stephen Hill. King. Yeah, it's uh, the Joe Hill is the is the pen name of uh, Stephen King's son, who I don't know the actual name of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that both he and both he, I don't know both he and him and his father together. Uh, have written several uh, like Joe Hill's a horror writer 
Yeah. Um, so like, just like his dad. So he has written several things that have already been adapted into uh, movies or shows. Him and his father have collaborated on a few works together. Mm-hmm. Um, off the top of my head, I know In the Tall Grass was something that he and his dad wrote together. Um, there's a couple of other things that I think are now under different names, uh, whatever the, the movie or TV shows are, mm-hmm. that Joe Hill has been at least attached to. Um, but yeah, I like his work so far as I've seen. Yeah, it's it's definitely been great. And if he keeps up writing stuff like this one, I'm going to keep watching because I fucking loved the story this movie took us on. Yeah, yeah. It, and I'm going to avoid talking about Stephen King. I'm going to try to avoid talking about too much of the later stuff because I do think it helps to go into this movie unspoiled, not knowing a whole lot because the trailers the trailer that we watched that was the first trailer really doesn't give away too much about what actually happens in this movie. For sure. I mean, that was what got me into it. Yeah. And like based on the trailer, you'd think that within like the first five minutes, our main protagonist is going to be kidnapped, but it takes a good maybe 20 minutes to establish everything before he actually ends up dealing with the grabber. You're right. It, the movie does take its time with mm-hmm. setting everything up in, in a way that I was not anticipating and in a way that I was glad that they ended up doing. Because it, it showed right off the bat like that all the kids, not only the kids are fucking talented as shit, yeah. but that the kids have more than just the kid that goes missing. Well, yeah, they're all important and they all have little things that will come back into play later. Right. Whether they yeah, are absolutely. a non-kidnapped kid or someone that the grabber has taken. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the kid, like even the adults get since like fleshing out, like their dad gets a surprising amount of depth um, yeah. off of the bat, which was very cool. Um, and then the fucking incompetent ass police officers who I was bragging on the whole fucking movie. As well you should, because... I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Not to get ahead of myself here, but um, if your lead evidence in an investigation as police officers is to go to an elementary school and ask this girl what she's seen in her dreams, maybe you're not a very good detective. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but, like, back in the 70s, these were, like... (laughs) <laughs> what was happening in investigations <laughs> like they like it's just whoever was kidnapping these kids was running circles around this these police department and mm-hmm. so is the grabber as you talked about who god ethan hawk kill it <sighs> ethan hawk is fantastic in this movie despite the fact that you almost never actually see his face because You're he's right. always in these masks, which I have to mention uh, were designed by Tom Savini himself. No way. Legendary prosthetic makeup designer. Um, Tom Savini is who made these masks. And um, the first time the main actor saw one of the masks was in a take with Ethan Hawke. Holy shit. And can you imagine being on set that day? Just oh god freaking out because i well, i would freak out dude i absolutely would freak out because i mean i'm already kind of scared of ethan hawk i really <laughs> like him but there's something about him he's like too good at being a bad guy <laughs> uh plus i mean i always just think about i mean we'll get into it a bit later with the director and ethan hawk being you know the same guy that made sinister mm-hmm. with ethan hawk made this with ethan hawk so, yes. I mean, this guy and Ethan Hawke are already on the spooky level with each other. Mm-hmm. So, 
I don't know. Plus the fact that this mask, like, you can assemble it different ways. Yeah, you know, it's like, in two pieces, and the pieces are interchangeable. Well, like, it's so cool. Like, you know, so there's like the mask on a lot of the uh, the posters. The poster we got hanging up at work is just him. You know, no top part with just the grinning piece of the lower part of the mask. Mm-hmm. But he shows up and he's got that part of the mask. There's a grimace that he can put over that part of the mask and a flat piece that he can put so there's just no mouth at all. Mm-hmm. And then he's got this top part with horns. To yeah. the point that Devil when he first, dude, when he first shows up, and he's got the blank face and the full like horns up. That's what the faceless ghouls from Ghost used to wear. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, shit. holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that mask is scary as fuck. Especially when it's like you know, when he's sitting at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> oh yeah, when he's at the top of the stairs, it's just fucking terrifying to think about. Um, and actually, I want to talk about something that I know both you and I had strong opinions on, and my opinion has slightly changed, um, having learned a little bit more. So this movie was originally supposed to release in January of this year, and yeah. it ended up getting delayed until June. And I was under the impression that because January was when all the COVID stuff was happening again, that's why it was delayed. I found out that was not the case, actually. Um it was delayed because um, it, while it was being like screened for previews, people loved it so much that Blumhouse was like, we can't release this in January. This is a summer like blockbuster horror type movie. We can't just let this go with the January flops. This is going to be fucking great. <laughs> and you know what? So funny. They're right. It deserves that summer slot. Certainly more than a January slot. Yeah, at the end of the day, I just wanted to see it. Like, I really uh, yeah. just was a little sad. I'm like, oh, I gotta wait till June, June to see it. Yeah. But I have to say, I think it was totally worth the wait. Oh, absolutely. Especially since absolutely. it's been, what, 10 years since Sinister came out? Somewhere around there? Jesus Christ. Has right? it really been 10 years I, since Sinister came out? Just about. It was, what, 2012? Oh, don't. Ew, no. Yeah, it was ten years ago, man. How crazy is that? Wait, wait. So the director of this movie—I hope you have his name up. It oh, Scott Derrickson. Like, Scott Derrickson. You're right. I knew it was a, it was Scott. I was gonna say Scott Stevens. We're like, that's fucking wrong. That's Cyclops. Scott Derrickson. That's Scott Summers. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so Scott Derrickson. We talked about him a bit on our Multiverse of Madness episode. He directed Doctor Strange, the original Doctor Strange. Yes. Uh, a couple of years after he did Sinister, which mm-hmm. was also starring Ethan Hawke, and I think is regarded as a modern horror classic. Like It is. I hear about Sinister as a lot of people's, like, all oh, the first movie that I saw that scared the hell out of them. A Dude, lot that, of people. That's like, what it was for me. I fucking Dude, yeah. loved oh, yeah. Sinister growing up. I still love it. I love it a little, little bit less. Conjuring. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I remember when I first watched it, I'm like, this movie's scary. And then I'm like, no, it's kind of stupid. Kevin has really partially ruined it by just how much he's made fun of the name Bagul. He has a point. As, he I mean, does, as but I'm mad every, about it. <laughs> every single movie that has demons knows. 
And The Conjuring is the only one that got it right. You have to name your demon something cool or it doesn't matter. Pazuzu, Calix, Bagul, these are not scary names. These are stupid names. (laughs) Valak, the Marquis of Snakes, fucking awesome. I mean, you're right. Of course I'm right. This is demons I'm talking about. (laughs) But at the very least, Sinister was one of the first movies that, like, shocked a lot of people in a while because like it's yeah it is not shy on its violence towards children mm-hmm. and this movie is also no exception the ghost children are legitimately scary i will say this movie yes is a lot is legitimately scary at times but i feel that in terms of the two scott derrickson movies i think of which is sinister and this i feel like this one's a much more easily approachable horror movie in that it 100%. leans a lot more into the thriller aspects and it doesn't get as like violent as Sinister yes. does, especially in those Sinister, videotape sequences. Yeah, Sinister, I remember what when we watched it, I think last October, I remember seeing like it's a kind of it feels like it's a bookended dumb movie. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning seems kind of silly and like the concept seems kind of silly, and the end seems especially silly. But yes. the middle parts of Ethan Hawke just slowly falling into alcoholism because he's watching horrors and losing his mind mm-hmm. is legitimately frightening. Yeah, and and de- would- kind of depressing. <laughs> it's very depressing. And well, it would have been depressing had Scott Derrickson not been like, okay, so the soundtrack of this movie is just going to be the same weird noises played on yeah. a loop so quietly you can't even hear them until they're already at a crescendo. Mm-hmm. And that freaked me out. This movie, The Black Bone, it hit a lot of the same things. There's those ghost children. Mm-hmm. There's that intensive uh, alcoholism aspect, which I feel like just like with uh, Mike Flanagan, is just going to pepper the works of like, aren't humans the real monsters? Yes. Um, but there's also that scary soundtrack. Like The opening mm-hmm. credits of this movie were like legitimately haunting to me. Yeah. Do you recall those at all? A little bit. Um, I was just getting into the vibe of the movie at that point. That um, was the vibe of the movie for me. I was like, oh shit, this is gonna... Like, all of those houses just being every street USA mm-hmm. that in that era, how kids, like, there was this illusion, kind of like what we talked about with Let Me In, where, like, there was this illusion of the American, like, zeitgeist, but mm-hmm. you could tell that there was all this darkness just hanging out. Like, all those kids were like, yeah, the grabber's out there, and we're like, yeah, we kind of laugh off, like, yeah, maybe it's not real, but, like, there's real careful. horror here, and we just don't know how he ties into all of it. hmm Yeah. Like, it's kind of like it, and again, I think Joe Hill really feels that type of aesthetic that his father helped to create, mm-hmm. is, like, kids just have a bit of an understanding when it comes to, like, weird shit, mm-hmm. as how it, how, and how it affects them. Like, they know the difference between fantasy and reality pretty, yeah. pretty clearly. Um, absolutely. And um, another – sorry to side tangent here for a second. But another uh, Scott Derrickson sinister alum returns with James, uh, James oh Ransom God. playing about okay. as big of a character as he played in Sinister as deputy so so-and-so. I think Scott Derrickson – and Stephen King just really like bullying this guy because he's both the least and the most Stephen King character in the world in this movie. Yes. 
he's a cokehead conspiracy theorist. Yep. And it's that's just that's all I'm gonna say about it now. Yeah. A cokehead conspiracy theorist who just steals the scene from an otherwise like, oh god, here's the cops being incompetent again. And then I'm like, wait, is that deputy so and so? Holy shit, is that cocaine? <laughs> I yeah, just hope... he, he really does steal that scene. I, he yes, showed up like he's a great. I I just love that actor, and I want to see him do more things, or I want to see him in more things that I watch. I suppose I'm I'm sure he's he still doing well. Showed up in prom night. That's right. <laughs> oh my god! See, yeah, here man, I was just thinking about night. it, chapter two, and you were calling oh, out man. prom night. <laughs> Well, of course I remember it. That was like when everyone else got reintroduced to him. And I'm like, wait, no, this is that goofy guy from Sinister. (laughs) (laughs) And Sinister 2. Which is alternatively for me titled, Deputy, Get in My Mom's Pants. I mean, that's that's the main plot. I mean, you're not wrong. That's his whole motivation, by the way. (laughs) Whenever we cover Sinister 2, and we fucking will, because it is dumb, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, the mom lust for me at least is kind of the draw of the movie because <laughs> he is horned up for her. Oh yeah. Uh, what were some parts? Well, I mean, we know we want to err on the side of uh, spoiler-free, but what were some parts that you remember really jumped, like sitting with you after you went home? Okay, so one I have to bring up because I watched this with a few of my castmates here in Ohio. Um, and the one that made, I think, every single one of us jump is that uh, little jump scare of the kids when the sister's riding her bike in the street. Um, hmm. Which I, I actually did kind of remember being in the trailer, but I had forgotten about it because so much else was happening at that point that it genuinely right. comes out of nowhere and is a great scare and is one of the few jump scares in the movie. So it feels very earned. Especially yes. since the sister at that point is dealing with so much while she's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and if she can see the future or what's happening or if she's a soothsayer. <laughs> she's trying to figure out so much and she just gets blindsided by a, a vision of ghosts out of nowhere. And that to me is just so interesting and it was such a great scare and I loved it. No, I definitely jumped also. Yeah. <laughs> that, got, that got me. Um, there was a bit uh, with the kids, like just that those ghost kids in general, um, they talk to him mm-hmm. in the, uh, on the phone. They do kind of freak me out with the way that like they had the child, the, the, the actor, talking, doing the scene, being in there. Um the kid does not see the ghost kid on the phone, Yeah, but he hears them over the phone. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool because we're hearing the audio via the telephone, mm-hmm. but we're seeing the ghost kid without them actually speaking. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's very in that ghost removed thing where like you're hearing this disembodied voice and you're watching this ghost mm-hmm. do something else. And it does kind of represent that disconnect because like these ghosts don't remember things but they Mm -hmm. do remember small specific details and those small specific details also 
and, and their actions are all out of sync with time because, because they're dead time and their perspective works different. And I just love that angle. Anytime that there's ghosts, I think it's super neat. It's very haunting of Hill House, you know? It really is. And I'm also <laughs> a sucker for whenever something from earlier in a movie will come back as a payoff. And Dude, yes. The little bit of conversation with uh, each of the ghosts coming back at the end and so in a different awesome. order is just so, such a great payoff. It's so I interesting. Can't wait to see it again. Oh, yeah. I... I can't wait till I have this one on like DVD so I can just watch all the, all this, all the extra stuff that I'm sure is out there. I want to know how Tom Savini made these masks. I want to know so much more about this movie. I want to know if Ethan Hawke got to keep it and if he likes to wear them around and scare his children. Because again, <laughs> I'm a little scared of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> I how you make him sound like a Batman villain. Oh, or like a Moon Knight villain. <laughs> I knew Moon Knight was going to come up at some point in this. Nice. Just in Moon Knight for anyone who was curious. He is one of the antagonists. He, yeah, yeah, man. He's so good in that show, too. He was, and it was really cool good. that, like, this movie hit right when a lot of people probably have, like, unfortunately, been first introduced to him in mm-hmm. Moon Knight. And then they probably would be able to, like, see this movie and be like, that guy sounds or, like, looks familiar. And to find out, like, oh, shit, it was the guy from Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. What was his name? God damn. Um, I don't know. I literally cannot remember. I'm such a, I can't such like, a I fake remember. Moon Knight fan. Damn, I'm, I'm such a fake Moon Knight fan. I cannot remember the character that they invented uh, for the Arthur show. Harrow. Oh, Arthur Harrow. Thank you. I got you. Thank um, you for supporting me. I do also love that in the 10 years, which still, I don't believe it's been 10 years, but in the the years between Sinister and this, he's gone from his um, alcoholic protagonist to full-on antagonist (laughs) journey. So he's completed the evolution. (laughs) He's finishing the arc. Also, now that it's just occurring to me, how similar does the shape of his mask look to Bagul's face? It Yes, especially when he has that one that covers the mouth. Especially because it's a, it's a disembodied entity who uses childlike whimsy to kidnap children to feed on their souls. Yeah. Which, like, I'm sure in his weird psychosis is what the grabber thinks he's doing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's unpack this when we talk about Sinister. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bro, when we talk about Sinister, that's going to be a trip. I have Fuck. so many oh, thoughts about those movies and so oh. many little <laughs> conspiracy theories. We got to get each of those movies has to be at least Sinister itself. That's definitely got to be a two parter. Probably. I think we yeah. got a, a lot to unpack with that one. Absolutely. Um, just one, one other bit that I thought you would appreciate uh, during this movie. And it's, it's bordering a spoiler territory. So I'm just going to be intentionally vague, okay. but um there's a there's a moment uh again involving the police and their in inherent incompetence uh or they're running around and it got me thinking very saw two vibes yeah you know what i'm talking about i think i know exactly what you're talking about awesome well because that whole bit i'm like no these cops aren't smart enough this is definitely saw two yeah. <laughs> like there's no way they did this <laughs> yeah um but no again the cops are competent as fuck. Yeah. Uh, cops in the 70s. 
Yeah. That are like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. It never is fine. They're like, oh man, maybe the grabber will just stop. And I'm like, just stop. Doc, you stop him. I say, he's not going to stop if he's still getting away with it. Dude, he built a mask for this. Yeah. Going all in. On the other weird side, I just want to bring it up before uh, we take off. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talked a bit about yeah the way they fleshed out these kids, um, I thought one of the really neat things that they took time with um, to establish the um, and they kind of do this a lot in Sinister Two is they establish what it's like from a child's perspective to live in a household with an abusive parent. Yeah, like this is all to unpack at the end, but I just thought mention it. Just because of the way that they have the kids interact with each other and with each other in front of their father. Mm-hmm. Like, even just like the daughter wincing because she made a loud noise in the kitchen. I'm like, that is very textbook, but very underhanded, like, you know, a, a reality of what it's like living in an abusive home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's not always explored. And I did not expect it from the black phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I felt like it really helped, like, kind of, not elevate, but um, expand upon the relationship of these siblings, too, to make it such a, an interesting relationship to see how they interact with each other. Because, like, when um, his sister is going off to a sleepover, um, our main character ends up being like, yeah, I'll look after dad tonight. So you really see that it's not just the parent raising the children, but sometimes the children are watching over the parent because they've come at such a crossroads of not knowing what to do with themselves anymore. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, especially if you're somebody, I mean, either who's come from that type of background or knows someone who, who has, you know, there's a lot of kind of nuance uh, to building these characters relationships with each other that I felt like, wasn't done in a disrespectful way or in a glamorizing way it was just like a this is a matter of fact thing and because it's such a great story it mm-hmm. plays into how the story unfolds yeah, uh, yeah you're it, totally it right. of, and it kind of reminds me of like i don't think you, have you seen antlers before i have not uh it's on hbo i believe uh listeners well check it out it's an incredible movie but it's also very much more like as opposed to the black phone, it's more center stage. That issue is in the antlers, that issue of the parents more or less being like a thing in the household that these children just have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like that they are now not a parent. They're more, now more of like a burden or a everyday danger. It's like living with a wild animal and an antlers that's more or less literal. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's very cool to see it in the black phone as like the dad's not the villain though. It's mm-hmm. more or less just that's a thing that they're living with is yeah. their dad's an alcoholic and probably isn't holding his shit together from when their mom died. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very non one dimensional look at what it's like living in an abusive household because it's yeah. not necessarily as cut and dry as people always think. And I think that's cool that this movie took time that it, again, didn't need to do 
uh, and it made sure to make that a feature of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I love this um, movie, man. I'm glad that, yeah, you texted me like, dude, I loved it. I'm like, great. <laughs> I thought it was incredible. And my brother even really liked it. And I feel like lately I haven't, I haven't heard him say that. Like, I give that high of praise about a horror movie specifically in a bit. So it was good yeah. to be like, yes, yes, Blackbone, fucking pulling it down. Well, yeah, and I'm, I guess I'm going to take a little second here to, be, to mention, I would recommend seeing this in theaters if you get the chance, because I think that Please helps do. elevate the experience. However, for some people out there, like I know some of my close dear friends and some of my family members would not want to watch this in the movie theater, even though I think they can Why? handle it. Um, <laughs> they want to watch it in the comfort of their own home, which I respect. Um, okay. But... I don't think you're doing yourself a disservice by waiting until it comes out on DVD. But if this movie has piqued your interest at all, I would recommend running out to go seeing it as soon as you can, because I, I just think this is a really interesting movie and it's a really well done thriller horror movie that we haven't really seen something like in a long time. Oh, I'm absolutely with you. And I think that it's just fortuitous because it kind of sort of features up into a growing up as a pain series because it highlights it what it's like to be a fucking kid, dog. It Isn't really does. fucking weird? Like that it actually helps us a lot. It just fit way too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, go see The Black Phone, please. It Cur- is like, there's not jump scares. There's not really gore. It's just a great, movie and very interesting in terms of like a crime thriller yeah absolutely and yeah it's currently in theaters it just came out on friday so it'll be out in theaters for a little bit uh check it out yeah tell them we sent you and maybe it'll get a discount (laughs) also just to sidebar before we leave blumhouse has a new um like intro logo which i kind of liked because I didn't like the Blumhouse MCU logo. <laughs> I was like, are we really doing this now? Is this what we've, we've come to, Blumhouse? Of course we have, man. Blumhouse has been around for a little over a decade now. They've Hashtag done their MCU build-up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, at least it shows you how much they've made. Yes. How long they've been around and how long that they've, like, kind of helped shape what modern horror i mean horror in the 21st century is and that's yeah. pretty cool actually yeah they so i will give them a pass <laughs> <laughs> oh well maybe one one day when i'm big enough and i write enough pro- projects i can make a big dumb logo about all the things that i've done <laughs> yeah make your own clubhouse mcu that'd be kind of awesome i'd love that you know but until such time your master of ceremonies and your duke of spook and until next time stay spooky out there don't go near unmarked vans but i mean that's a given kids in the 70s just didn't know that <laughs>